0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: This episode of Ghost Town may contain disturbing or graphic descriptions, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Please use discretion while listening. Bad news. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town.
2: Jill Dando, known and loved by millions, has been brutally murdered. The 37-year-old presenter died in hospital after being found shot through the head on her own doorstep. Tonight in West London, a massive police hunt for the well-dressed man seen running away down the street in which she lived. For the British people, April 26th, 1999 would be solidified in history. Like any date of a royal death or a national holiday, it would also mark the biggest murder inquiry conducted by the Metropolitan Police to date, and the largest British criminal investigation since the hunt for the Yorkshire Ripper. It was all for a woman they called the Princess Diana of journalism, Jill Dando, whose puzzling death would send shockwaves through Great Britain and the world. Jill Wendy Dando was born on November 9, 1961, in Western Supermare, Somerset, UK. She was the daughter of Jack Dando and Winifred May Jean Hockey, and had a brother named Nigel, who was nine years old at the time of her birth. When she was three, the Dando family discovered that Jill had a hole in her heart and a blocked pulmonary artery. She had pioneering surgery on January twelfth, 1965, at the age of eight, and became one of the first survivors of her rare congenital heart condition. She went on to be a very popular adolescent, an A student, and was voted head of her class in junior school and went on to study journalism, like her older brother, at Cardiff Metropolitan University. After university, Dando got a job as a trainee reporter for the Western Mercury, a local weekly paper where both her father and her brother worked. As part of her application, she was asked to write a 500-word essay. The prompt? My thoughts on the year 2000. In her essay, she talked about having a husband and two children— being happy and creatively fulfilled. The well-written essay got her a job as a reporter, which she held for five years. But Dando wasn't just a print journalist at heart. No, she was a performer and was a member of the Western Supermarite Amateur Dramatic Society and Exeter Little Theater Company and would regularly act in community theater productions, including being cast as a stripper in the farce Pardon Me, Prime Minister. After five years as a print journalist, in 1985, Dando got to merge her performance voice, and reporting skills when she was hired as a newsreader for the BBC Radio Devon. That same year, she transferred to BBC Southwest and went on to do some regional reporting. In early 1988, however, things changed, and Dando got an opportunity to be on national news. She reported short on-the-hour bulletins that aired on both BBC One and BBC Two from 1986 until the mid-1990s, including Breakfast Time, the BBC One O'Clock News, the six o'clock news and the travel show holiday. While Jill Dando was getting her footing as a broadcast journalist, the public was falling in love with her, which made sense. Jill Dando looks like a really nice, warm person like the princess Diana next door. And the parallels between her and princess Diana wouldn't stop there. Their charm, philanthropy and love for the people was a huge part of who both of these major British public figures were. Also, if you look at pictures, they could literally be twins According to a 1999 article in The Guardian, Dando was, quote, far more than average flair for making other people feel good. To her friends in public alike, she was not pushy. She was a habitual winner of opinion polls on the person you would most like to go on holiday with, or dine with, or live next door to. What compromises she made with vacuous populism were of a quiet, almost self effacing kind. But Dando's personal life was stalling a little. From 1989 to 1996, Dando dated BBC executive Bob Wheaton and then had a brief relationship with a national park warden named Simon Basil. She was looking to settle down, but her fame was growing, which made it much harder, I'd imagine, to meet and to date. Meanwhile, when Sue Cook, the co-host of the very popular TV program Crime Watch UK, decided to leave the series, the show's producers reached out to Jill Dando. Crime Watch was a huge success in the UK a British BBC program that reconstructs major unsolved crimes in hopes somebody watching will assist in communicating information to help solve the case. Think a British Unsolved Mysteries, or America's Most Wanted. In 1995, Danda was officially on board, and she and her co-host, Nick Ross, tackled the dark subjects of Crime Watch with empathy and care. And of course, people really embraced her. They loved her. In 1997, she was voted the BBC Personality of the Year. A spokesperson would later describe the 37-year-old Jill Dando as, quote, one of Britain's most famous and beloved presenters. That same year, Dando met gynecologist Alan Farthing, who, interestingly enough, would later be Queen Elizabeth II's personal physician and physician to her family. Farthing, who was separated from his wife at the time, agreed to go on a blind date with Dando, and the two really hit it off. Their relationship progressed quickly, and on January 31st, 1999, just a couple months after Farthing's divorce was finalized, Dando and Farthing went public with their romance, with the first interview being secured by OK Magazine. In the interview, the happy couple said they were engaged and had a wedding date set for September 25th of that same year. And Dando's career wins, by the way, kept coming. On April 24th, 1999, she caused quite a stir when she appeared on the cover of that week's Radio Times magazine in a very risque leather outfit. She was also booked to host the British Academy Television Awards of 1999. On April 25th, 1999, Dando hosted another program, Antiques Inspectors, which would go on to air for the rest of the year. After the taping on April 25th, she went to sleep at her fiancé's that night. Dando arrived at her own home at 29 Gowan Avenue, London, a $1.8 million house on a quiet street on the morning of April 26th by private car. She had stopped at a shopping mall in the car about 15 minutes before and then continued on to her home. It's important to know that Dando didn't often go back to her house. She was in the process of selling it and didn't keep much there. But after leaving the car at 11.32 a.m., Dando traveled the short distance to her front door and as she pulled out her keys to unlock the front door, she was grabbed from behind and forced down. The assailant fired a single shot into her left temple, which exited the right side of her head, and then the assailant ran off. Fourteen minutes later, Dando's bloodied body was discovered by her neighbor, Helen Dobley. Dobley said in a later interview, quote, That image of her body is burned into my brain. Her legs were stretched out and awkwardly placed. Her hand with her engagement ring on was stretched out, and the hand was blue that beautiful engagement ring on a very dead hand. That ring was so full of her hopes and dreams, and it was all taken away from her. Dobly immediately called 999 and told police, quote, there's a lot of blood, and quote, her arms are blue. Then she waited next to the body for the ambulance to arrive, noticing the waves of missed calls on Dando's phone, anticipating the media frenzy that was to come. Quote, her phone kept ringing on and off. I wanted to go back and pick it up and see if it was Alan. I wanted him to know before the news broke, but I didn't. It's a haunting moment that sticks with me. Forensics units indicated that Dando had been shot by a nine millimeter bullet with a gun pressed against her head at the moment of the shot. There's a photograph online at the scene. Again, proceed with caution. And as you'd imagine, it's an extremely dark thing to experience to see that moment. It showed a blood spattered doorway, random items strewn around. Dando's open handbag sits by the front of the door. As the investigation into who did this began, as the investigation began, Richard Hughes became an integral part of the case. A neighbor of Dando's, he told police that he heard how everything went down: the slam of the car door that dropped her off, and then her momentary attack. Quote, I heard her scream. It was a distinctive scream. She sounded quite surprised. I opened the shutters and saw a man. He was well-dressed, he was wearing a barber-style jacket, and at first I thought it must have been a friend of Jill's, as he looked very respectable. I went to the door and saw her lying on the doorstep. She was unconscious and covered in blood. I was obviously shocked. I took a look at her, and she wasn't breathing. Hughes described to authorities what is the only description of Dando's assailant, a six-foot-tall white man around approximately 40 years old, walking away from Dando's house. Dando's murder, according to investigators, happened in about a 20-second span. Dando was slated to host the 6 o'clock news that following day, but instead, the news reported on her. In fact, eerily, or maybe appropriately enough, Crimewatch reconstructed their own deceased host's murder in an attempt to aid the police in the chaotic and comprehensive search for her killer. Let's take a break.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well.
1: Hi, hello, how are you doing? Hello.
2: How's it going? Hello, how you doing out there? Doing good? How August, you all doing right? out there? Uh, August, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. That's your small talk? That's it. That's all you get. Oh,
1: mm. great. They deserve better. Will they get it today? No. No, probably not. Not today, they won't. Probably not. We want to say hello? Yeah. How you doing?
2: Hello. You doing okay? Checking in. <laughs> August, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm going to immediately switch gears. We want to, of course, thank everyone. Mm-hmm. Supporting us, spreading the good word of Ghost Town, getting the word out there. Thank you. Get it out there. Please. Could you? Tell a friend. Work it into your small talk.
2: Yeah. How's the weather? (laughs) Ghost Town podcast. Um, You know, you can do it as seamlessly as that or figure out your own way. That's okay.
1: And then you can also switch gears again and talk about the beloved Ghost Town government.
2: Mm, That'd be fun for who? You.
1: Talking about some... High-profile mayors. Mm. How's that? Sounds great. With a little, what's your sign? <laughs> That's Ashley Matson. Hello. With a little, do you come here often? <laughs> but not said like uh, you're a detective, but said like you're a...
2: You're actually intruding. Yeah. Do you come here often?
1: Yeah, that'd be Cat Giselle. Hello. With a little, what? what's a nice person like you doing in a place like this? And you go, a cheesecake factory?
2: <laughs> eating. <laughs> He's like, thanks, doll face, and walks away.
1: That's Casey Weber. Hello. With a little, is heaven looking for an angel? <laughs> because you might be that angel that left heaven and came to this cheesecake factory. Wow. That's Kelly Meehan. Hello. And with a little, my name's Charlie Gilbert. What's up?
2: <laughs> Just fucking straight shooter. That's sexy as hell. That's Charlie Gilbert. Hello.
1: And the puppet master, the matchmaker. Mm. The wheeler, the dealer. Oh yeah, pairing them up, knocking them down. That's right, puppet master. And just pulling the strings, yeah. letting go of the strings. Yeah, and being like, now you're all in my cheesecake factory. <laughs> <laughs> that would be our governor avian noble, avian noble. you want no ads, no chit chat bonus episodes just the good stuff seven day free trial check it out mm. listen to a bunch like 70 something bonus episodes listen to all these episodes without any of the chit chat or ads or nothing mm. get get your fix get your fill it sounds pretty good to me head on over to patreon.com slash
2: ghost town pod amazing amazing well how about we get back to the summer of 1999 the death of beloved broadcaster Jill Dando is shocking the UK and fans all over the world. I can't even describe. I did a lot of research kind of looking into the reporting on this, and it is really heartbreaking. Um, tributes were paid in the House of Commons and Buckingham Palace. Thousands of people wrote to Jill's family and friends to express their condolences. And two newspapers, The Sun and the Daily Mail, together with Crime Stoppers, posted the biggest reward in history for information to solve the crime. 50,000 pounds. There was so much intense media coverage about Jill's case. The case was named Operation Oxborough by the Metropolitan Police with a focus on her relationships with the men around her. Lead detective on the case, Hamish Campbell, was quoted as saying, quote, Her career must be looked at, but I do not consider it to be of equal importance to her private life. We have many positive leads. As you can imagine, Danda was a massive public figure and was in contact with many, many people. Speculation swirled about the circumstances surrounding Dando's tragic death, and within six months, the murder investigation team had spoken to more than 2,500 people and taken more than a 1,000 statements. But things didn't progress like they thought that they would. After a year of no real leads, police concentrated their attention on a man named Barry George, who lived about half a mile from Dando's house. George was antisocial and erratically behaved, and had a criminal history of stalking women and a few sexual offenses under his belt. Also, he was obsessed with Princess Diana. George had been stopped four times in ten months for hanging around Kensington Palace at night. Later, he was arrested at Kensington Palace, carrying two knives and 15 feet of rope. When police later searched his apartment, they found pictures and articles about Diana, along with a log of personal details. At one point, George was on Scotland Yard's list of potential dangers to the royal family. When Diana died in 1997, George even went to the funeral. How he was allowed to do that, I am not sure. George, like many, camped out all night at Westminster Abbey to ensure he got a good spot. He had a sign that read Queen of Hearts, signed Barry Bulsara, Freddie Mercury's cousin, R.I.P. Because of his proximity to Dando's home and his fascination with Diana, a strikingly similar public figure, physically and congenially, to Dando, Metropolitan Police had their eye on George. Also, as evidenced by his Princess Diana sign, George also had quite a fascination with Freddie Mercury, which police concluded could have been the motive to kill Dando. Quote, he disliked the BBC and its journalists because of the way Freddie Mercury had been treated before he died, George reportedly told a friend George was put under surveillance by police and was arrested on May 25th, 2000. He was charged with Jill's murder three days later on May 28th. After his arrest, more information came out about Barry George. Namely, he had Asperger's syndrome, personality disorders, ADHD, epilepsy, and borderline impaired IQ. But the trial would proceed, with evidence from prosecution that George was the killer, because of trace residue found in his coat pocket, matching discharge residue found at the scene of the killing, and looking somewhat like the description of the killer, tall and a white man. When Barry was initially interviewed, he came off as paranoid and scared, lying about his knowledge of Jill as he tried to create a fake alibi. The defense said the man was low IQ, very vaguely fit the description of the killer, and residue as minute as what they found in George's coat would be found lots of places who are out and about in the world. On July 2nd, 2001, after a non-unanimous verdict that took the jury five days to decide, George was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. After two unsuccessful appeals, in 2007, discredited forensic evidence was excluded from the prosecution's case, and George's third appeal succeeded. His conviction overturned. In an eight-week trial in 2008, George was acquitted on the basis that he was not calculated enough to have committed the crime, and that armed police may have transferred the gunshot residue from their clothing to George's jacket on the site of his arrest. And so, in 2008, the Dando case was formally opened up again, and theories were rich and puzzling as ever. Leads and theories include a jealous ex-boyfriend or a private lover killing Dando, Though friends, acquaintances, and phone records were deeply pursued, and that was ruled out, it still might be a possibility. It's still something that people are talking about. A revenge plot. Someone who had been convicted from Crime Watch maybe hired someone to kill her in retaliation. In 2015, former Surrey police detective and TV investigative journalist Mark Williams Thomas suggested Dando had been murdered on the orders of a London underworld Mr. Big to, quote, send out a direct bloody message to others. Do not take on organized crime. Jill, Mr. Williams Thomas added, may have signed her own death warrant through her work on Crime Watch. Then there's the theory of political retaliation. On April 6, 1999, 20 days before she was killed, she had fronted a BBC Kosovo crisis appeal that raised more than £1 million in 24 hours for those fleeing the latest rounds of ethnic cleansing in the Balkans. She had made many public appeals for aid during the Yugoslavian wars. There are theories surrounding a Bosnian, Serbian, or Yugoslavian group putting a hit out on her in retaliation for her outspokenness. And just a few days before Dando's murder, Slavko Kuruvija, an opposition journalist, was assassinated outside of his home in Belgrade in a method almost identical to Dando's. In 2012, Branka Purpa, the widow of Kuruvija, would come forward and say, quote, I think there is a link between Dando and Kuruvija. I think they were both executed. Then there's the theory of an obsessed fan, Something Dando rejected a fan's advances, and things got violent. Dando's brother, Nigel, told detectives that she had become concerned by some guy pestering her in the few days before her death. In fact, police had identified 140 people who were found to have a, quote, unhealthy interest in Jill during initial investigations. Then there's the idea of a case of mistaken identity, though probably unlikely, seeing as the killing took place on her own doorstep. Then, maybe a dangerous person or people in a UK pedophile ring. In the mid-90s, Dando investigated a British pedophile ring and had handed a dossier containing her findings to BBC management. Maybe someone, someone in a position of power, didn't like the information that she had and that she had given to her higher-ups. Then there's the theory of a professional rival or business partner. In fact, Dando's agent, John Roseman, stated that he had been interviewed as a suspect by the police. Cold case reviews after 2008 concluded that whoever killed Jill Dando would have to be extremely well-informed about her life, and very good at what they did, given the seconds it took to kill the newscaster outside a home she rarely frequented. CCT of the shopping trip that she stopped at on the way back to her home also did not show any evidence of her being followed. Based on the details of the gun, a 2012 cold case review named Serbian warlord Arkin as a suspect, although by this time he had died heartbreakingly, Dando's fiancé, Alan Farthing, described how a week after Dando's murder, he found a reporter's notebook containing a draft of the speech she had intended to give on their wedding day. In addition, quote, "'Jill was admired by those, many of those, who had never met her. She was respected by those who worked with her, and she was loved by everyone who knew her.'" Dando's co-host and crime Watch, Nick Ross, proposed the formation of an academic institute in her name, and together with Farthing, raised almost 1.5 million pounds. The Jill Dando Institute of Crime Science was founded at University College London on April 26, 2001, on the second anniversary of her murder. But a huge question still remains. Will Dando's murder ever be solved? When asked by the BBC, lead detective Hamish Campbell responded, quote, do I think somebody will come back to court? Probably not. No. He went on to say, sometimes I felt we were a day away from solving it. And other times I thought, no, we're a long way away. With over 2,000 potential suspects and at least five strong potential theories around her death and, you know, time, I'm also not sure we'll ever get a definitive answer on who killed Jill Dando. Of course, I hope I'm wrong and someone or something surfaces to bring some closure to the enduring yet short life of journalism royalty Jill Dando. (laughs)
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com.